0: And what's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the I'm podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this Saturday, April the 16th, the year 2022. Got lots to do, lots to talk about here. Nice to have you with us. Is this the first time in a little over a week since we last uh, chit-chatted. Lots to do as far as the world of sports is concerned. Gonna to touch on the NBA playoffs as they are underway here on this Saturday. Quickly recap a couple of things I want to give my opinion on as far as the NBA playing tournament is concerned, and give you a couple of tidbit items and uh, thoughts and two cents and commentary as we have concluded the opening. Sorry about that. The opening week of the 2022. Uh, MLB regular season. i got a couple things to talk about as far as, you know, Yankees, Orioles. I'll get into some baseball a little bit later on and I'll do a little bit of a, I'll, I will uh, save Kyler Murray and uh, Baker Mayfield for next week's episode. You don't want to, you know, I'd like to, you know, do a couple of shows with no football, but I, I will I got plenty to say as far as Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray are concerned. So stay tuned for that next week. But uh, I want to give you with that I didn't have a chance to dissect the Masters. I'll do that and give you my two cents on Frank Vogel uh, saying goodnight uh, as far as him being the uh, head coach of the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. But before we get into that... It's nice to have you guys back. It's nice to have you with us here on your, what I hope to be your favorite sports talk podcast. Uh, I believe going forward, though, I might, I haven't, nothing's concrete yet, but I think that I'm going to go back to the once a week episodes like I've done in springs and in summers. Uh, And in the past, rather than me, uh, rather than me doing the two like I do during a football season, I'm juggling that, you know, busy with school and got two jobs now. Uh, and praise be to God. So it's coming up, coming down the home stretch with school, and and I'm about to start uh, two new jobs within before the month of April is out. So if you see, you know, every now and again, if you see for a couple of weeks straight that there's only one episode out, you guys will know why. Come, once the summertime comes around, you know, late May, early June, I'll probably, you know, because all I have to do worry about is just with school at that point, or not with school, with uh, work at that point and uh so you'll probably see the two episodes you'll probably see the two episodes right around the time of the back end of the conference finals or before the nba finals start you'll probably get to see the more consistent two week episode two episodes per week but from here from here until mid late may you know one week you might see one episode and another week you might find two or you might have a consecutive streak where you just have one episode per week just to give you guys a heads up as far as uh pro as far as a note of programming is concerned. Let me um go down the list as far as the NBA uh as far as the NBA playing and then we'll get to the playoffs and and then away we shall go. Uh, you know, Brooklyn, they of course got the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference taking canvas against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Game got close late, but for 80% of the game, that was a complete beatdown by the Brooklyn Nets and the uh by the Brooklyn Nets and the uh and and company. I mean Kevin Durant, just sensational job by him, twenty-five points, uh made all six of his free throws, eleven assists, two blocks, three steals. Uh, And five rebounds on the night. Kyrie Irving, what, I mean, listen, when he, and this is the thing that if you're a net fan of the seven of you all out there, what's so frustrating about Kyrie Irving is that if you would have had him for, for the entire season and he wouldn't be such an up in the air of will he play, will he not play, you know, does he feel like being a basketball player? The, the the Nets wouldn't have to worry about the play, and They'd have a top top. They'd be the one, two, three. They'd be a, they would be a top three seed in the Eastern Conference if they didn't have to worry about the 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 tomfoolery and the foolishness that comes along with having Kyrie Irving on your roster because he dropped thirty four points, made was fifty uh, percent from beyond the arc, twelve assists. A steal was absolutely sensational. Only missed three shots. He was 12 to 15 from the field. Only missed three shots and was a perfect 7 for 7 from the strike. A sensational job. Meanwhile, the Cavaliers... On Friday night, lost an opportunity to get the eighth seed in a in a competitive type game against the Atlanta Hawks, losing to them by the final score of 107 to 101. Uh, Trey Young, who is picking up right where he left off as far as being a dyna- a dynamic, sensational playoff performer like he uh, like he was you know what like he was uh, against uh, against the 76ers, the Knicks, and throughout their sensational playoff run uh, last spring in early summer until they ran into a bus saw in the uh, until they run into the uh b- the bus saw that was the Milwaukee Bucks um, 38 points uh 38 points uh 8 of 9 nearly perfect from the free throw line, nine assists, three rebounds, one block uh one block on the night for Trey Young. Uh Kevin Hooter who has found who was a very good other as as uh, as you heard on inside NBA uh, the other night, 13 points, 6 of 11 from the field, two assists, a steal. The Atlanta Hawks set themselves up for business to to have their opening round game against the number 1 seed in Miami Heat we'll get to them a little bit later on. Meanwhile, the Cavs who were sitting there, who were sitting pretty, uh who were sitting pretty with an, with two opportunities to so get into the playoffs, they they were they were again for 80% of the game, 80 85% of the game pathetic against the Nets on Tuesday night. And then I and then they played a, they played a much better at least defensively against Atlanta, but you know it wasn't enough as the Cleveland Cavaliers failed to uh, make the playoffs for the first time without LeBron James. Uh, they were trying to make the playoffs for the first time since 2018, uh, which the, of course the last time they made the playoffs, LeBron James was on the team. Tried to make it without LeBron, they failed to do so. Another play in. I want to give my two cents on is the Clippers and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, we'll get to the Clippers in a minute. First of all, if you're the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I understand it's only the second time in what 17, 18 years uh, that the that the Minnesota Timberwolves have made the playoffs, and there's and there's rumors, rumors, again rumors that the team could leave uh, could leave Minnesota and flock to Vegas or. Or, or you know, go elsewhere and move their team from outside Minneapolis, Minnesota. So I understand all that. You know, their future in uh, Minnesota doesn't look all, all, uh, all enticing and attractive at this point in time, right now. But I mean that. I mean, you, I mean, you gotta, you gotta be fair. You got to be fair. I mean, that was a completely, completely over the top, obnoxious celebration at the end of their playing game. Again, I get. It. Listen, and people are going to say, "Well, Jack." I mean, come on, cut them some slack. They're allowed to celebrate their second playoff, their franchise, the second playoff appearance, and in in, in in seventeen, eighteen years. It's like, okay, I I I I understand. I understand that. I understand that, but look at it. Look at it. Look look at it from my perspective. Okay. I am a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Did Jermaine Pratt, did C.J. Uzama, did uh, Eli Apple, uh, Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow take jump on the bench, take their jersey off, and uh, chuck it into the stands? Did 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 uh, Eli Apple? Or uh, or Jamar Chase walk off the field crying with snot dripping from their nose. Did uh, did Joe Burrow hug his uh his, hug his girlfriend Olivia Rockenbach or whatever however you pronounce her last name? Did, did did they did they hug did they hug each other and embrace it and and and, and then play tonsil hockey with each other? You know, in, in front of the NBC National Airways, as if it was a scene out of Cinderella. Did did they do that? did they do that did they do that in the Chiefs game in week 17 did they do that in the in the playoff game against the Raiders no they did not no they did not and this is the franchise, and again and again, and we discussed this back in the wintertime, but I'll bring it up again just for the sake of conversation that that it was the fan base if anything that felt the most pressure heading into the game instead of the players because the players, because it's a totally different regime than the Marvin Lewis era from 2011 to 2015 with all those playoff failures, to, to, so to a certain degree there was, little, there was little to no pressure on them from that standpoint as far as legacy and the historical piece but those guys go ahead and cut a full when they beat the Raiders at home to win the the, win the Bengals. their fir- Forget 17, 18 years, the Bengals' first playoff game in over 30 years. Did they cut a full? And, out, and again, that wasn't to make the playoffs. That was a playoff game to advance. And did they act like that against the Chiefs when they won a division to make the playoffs? No, they did not. I'll even give you the flip side of things with my Baltimore Orioles. In 2012, prior to 2012, the last time my Baltimore Orioles made the playoffs was in 1997 when they went to the ALCS and lost to the then-named Cleveland Indians. In 2012, now the Orioles had their postseason fate decided by another team. I believe they were like on a plane headed back somewhere uh, when they found out that they had made the playoffs. But but did but did J.J. Uh, Hardy, Wilson, Benemite, Manny Machado, Adam Jones, Matt Weiders, Ryan Flaherty, Robert Andino, Mark Reynolds, Chris Davis. Did they take that jersey off, hop on top of the dugout, and go crazy, lose their mind? and any Orioles players were hugging and kissing the girlfriend on national tv no and again that was that was what you do the math 2012 minus 1997 15 years did we did the any did we lose our minds and go ate crap when they won the playoff game against Texas. Now that was a road game, different, a little bit of circumstances, but did we do that? No, he did not. Okay? No, he did not. Did the... Trying to give you another example here. Did the... To make the playoffs. Uh... I, I, don't even, I don't even think the Pittsburgh Pirates pulled crap like that. I mean, there's an element of, okay, we won, but it wasn't everything. The Minnesota Timberwolves on Tuesday night acted like they won the NBA championship. I mean, you would have thought that they had won the NBA championship in a, in a in a Game 7 Classic. Uh, to 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 uh, to win an to win an NBA Finals in front of fifty million people watching on television, and Patrick Beverly dropped fifty and, and put up a triple. Th- I mean, you would you would have thought Patrick Beverly was Giannis in Game Six of last year's Finals the way he was carrying on. I understand second time in 17, 18 years, but it was to make the playoffs. If they go ahead and lose to Memphis in a clean sweep in four games or lose to Memphis in a non-competitive five-game series, then what? Then what? Completely, completely over the top. I understand, happy that we made the playoffs, yay, yay, hooray, but come on. That was the equivalent of a game 163 in baseball. That that was game 83 of your season. That that you might as well just say that was an ex- that, that was a tiebreaker game to 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 make to get a playoff spot. An extra game added on to the regular season. One game 7 of the conference finals wasn't game 7 of the NBA finals. Hell, won even Game Seven of a playoff series. They didn't win a championship. They didn't win their division. They didn't win the conference. Didn't win a playoff series. They won an extra game to get into the playoffs. Completely over the top and unnecessary. I mean, I got I got Carl Anthony Townsend, and Jordan Woods like they're on like they're on the like they're on the freaking Titanic, nineteen ninety seven leonardo dicaprio and whatever the name of the other chicks i mean really i gotta look at the side of them like it's a scene off of the sound of music are you kidding me and listen i get it i sympathize with the fact that it was the one year anniversary of his mother's death heart goes out to him god knows what you know a pandemic comes 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 swooping in and it kills your mother Regardless of how old you are, I understand that's one of the more painful feelings. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. So I understand, that. I get that, but it's like it's just the optics of it is is like it's tough to take. it's it it tough to take. I I'm I'm sorry, I got to be, It's tough to take, tough to take. If Carl Anthony Towns is the one that's crying and weeping, fine. But I I I I, I cannot take the the. The Disney-fied snapshot of him and Jordan Woods as, as, as like like it's like it's their wedding photo. I at standing there at the altar. I after they just uh, share their I do's. I I, I I can't take that. I I got I, I can't take it. Uh, especially if Jordan Woods is ju- is just a girlfriend, fiance, wife. Eh, little different. Girlfriend. Word 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 could break in two weeks that she was that she was uh, that she was caught topping off Patrick Beverly and, and and then what? Then uh, then then what? Here to, here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, come on. But, uh, Phoenix, Minnesota Temple. I mean, really, really really if you want a playoff series or you're a Cinderella team and you make and or win the conference finals celebrate till the gals come home you won want an extra uh, a de facto extra regular season game to make the playoffs alright and, and it wasn't like that you beat the Clippers who were you know fully e- equipped with, uh, with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George alright Reggie R- 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 Jackson, I mean, eh, come on, come on. That's 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 that's, that's what's called like see it. Charlotte Hornets haven't haven't uh, done a damn thing in the postseason in twenty years. What else is new with them? Uh, you know, they're relevant. They're they're relevant around that playing tournament, and then they get in. And I understand the second year of it, but. They get relevant, and then it's like, and then they fall off the face of the earth. You know, for for the Charlotte Hornets not being able to do the damn do a damn thing in the last twenty years is uh, just speaks to uh, Michael Jordan, the basketball owner, and his uh, and his shortcomings. And the New Orleans Pelicans found a way to get the uh, to get a uh, spot. We get the 8th seed at the Western Conference playoff table. Taking care of business against the Clippers last night by the final score of 105-101. Uh, sensational job. Brandon Ingram, his first ever playoff series. 30 points. 30 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 14-21 from the field. C.J. McCollum, a hell of a trade made by, uh, made by New Orleans midseason. 19 points. Uh, 19 points, 2 rebounds, 3 assists. He had a productive night. And Murray and La- and Larry Nance Jr. coming off the bench. 14 points, 7 of 8 from the field, four, 4 assists, a block, a steal, and 16 boards. Nine of them on the defensive side of the basketball meanwhile the clippers you know the clippers fall short reggie jackson 27 points 9 and 22 from the field i mean the the clippers shot horrendously uh from the field 41 percent as the team. put up 85 shots only made 35 of them they were beyond despicable from the three-point line 25 percent, 9 of 36 uh, and they were even worse from the in. Although they shot better th- than the Pelicans uh, from the free throw line, they weren't much better leaving points on the free throw line, at, at shooting as a team 64% uh, from the stripe as the Pelicans get the job done to get the eighth seed. And of course, the Hawks get the job done to get the eighth seed in the East, beating Cleveland in their own building. Utah took care of business against Dallas in the first playoff game. Uh, of the 2021 go-around by the final score of 99-93. Utah takes a one nothing series lead over Dallas. No Luka Doncic. His status is up in the air for Game 2 on Monday night. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, 26 points, 11-20 from the field. Uh, the four assists, a steal, five rebounds on the afternoon for him. Donovan Mitchell, sensational game, 32 points. Uh, was nearly perfect from the free throw line, six assists, six rebounds, a steal and a block for him. He had a nice afternoon. Uh, Clarkson coming off the bench, their guard, 10 points for him. And uh, 10 points for him. Mike Conley, 13 points. He had a nice afternoon as well. As for the Memphis side, without Luka, you know, they were very, very compromised offensively shooting as a team, 38% from the field, twenty eight percent from three, although they although they were, you know, solid for what it's worth, 76% from the free throw line. Utah was better. 20-23 missed only, but three free throw shots, 87%. Meanwhile, uh, meanwhile uh, Dallas was a uh, 26 for 34 leaving uh leaving eight uh free throws on the table for them in the afternoon as Utah takes a 1 nothing uh series lead and as the Western Conference playoffs tips off uh here if for the NBA. Uh and then you got Memphis and uh, Memphis and the Grizzlies taking on uh, going on as well uh down there in Memphis. Uh, you got Toronto and Philly going on in the first round of the Eastern the only Eastern Conference uh playoff matchup here on this Saturday is uh Toronto versus uh Philly. Philly's going to have some trouble cuz it sounds like Marcus Thibault on you know somehow some way decided to get one shot but not the second for some inexplicable reason. I'm not going to waste my brain cells or waste my breath trying to justify that foolishness. But you know his uh, status will be in some trouble going up against Toronto, of course, with the Canadian vaccination laws. If you ain't got a vaccination, your ass ain't coming across our border. They can do what they want. It's their own country, you know. It, it, you know we don't. You don't have to go. I mean, it's you know. It, you know, you get the shots or don't. And if you don't have the shots by now, I, I I don't understand you at this point. But it is what it is. Toronto going up against Philly, a rematch of the 2019 Eastern Conference Finals, which was an absolute classic, of course, with Kawhi Leonard, with the game, with the game-winning game seven buzzer beater. To uh to advance uh, excuse me it, no it wasn't a uh it wasn't a conference finals it was a semifinals I apologize but it's a classic game seven on Mother's Day 2019 Kawhi Leonard over the hands and face of Joel Embiid, one of the greatest most clutch uh buzz- playoff bus buzz beaters you're ever gonna see in your life rematch of that matchup you know Joel Embiid is just chomping at the bit although Kawhi Leonard is not there the majority of that 2019 uh, core from that championship Raptors team is still there. And You know, Joel Embiid is just licking his chops and chomping at the bit to get revenge against Toronto. I think that has potential to that that series. Uh, that series, uh, Nets Celtics and Denver Golden State. Those, if you had, were to ask me right now, those, my friends, are the three best uh, opening round playoff series uh heading into uh as we begin this weekend and begin the playoffs uh two two out of three of them are in the Eastern Conference I think they got better opening round uh, matchups in general than the Western Conference does uh simply because of it simply because of the fact, you know, uh simply because of the fact that uh I mean, you go ahead and you look at the matchups. I mean, do you really honestly think that Memphis has a chance against against Phoenix? No. Do you think uh, the the you know Memphis and Minnesota will be a competitive series. You know John Morant is a hell of a superstar, but again the the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves isn't going to. Uh, move the needle is not going to move the needle nationwide. You talk Dallas, similar to a certain degree, considering the fact that Luke, that Luca is injured, and in the and the and just for eyeballs and just for marketing, you need Luca playing as much as you know as much as possible. Uh, and done for a Golden State intriguing because the Golden State finally has themselves back in the NBA playoffs, uh, has themselves in the NBA playoffs again. Uh, but you know the status of Steph Curry all depends on how well and how far Golden State's uh, playoff run will be uh, this upcoming spring into the uh, into the summer. But, you know, and, of course, on Sunday, you got, Atlanta against, uh, you got Atlanta against the Miami Heat. Atlanta, of course, Trey Young coming off his sensational performance Friday night against Cleveland, going against the Miami Heat, who, you know, has not been talked about a whole lot as far as the favorites to win the championship. You've heard, at least on the Eastern Conference side, you have heard, you've heard, you hear 76ers. You hear the, the defending champion with the Bucks. You hear, albeit they are a seven seed, but but they have Kirk, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, so you automatically have to throw them into the hat, throw them into the equation with the with the Brooklyn Nets. But you don't hear, you know, I mean, you don't hear a lot of conversation as far as the Miami Heat are concerned, and they're the number, and they're the number one seed, uh, and then number one seed in the, in the Eastern Conference. I think that could do them a tremendous favor, you know, in heading into the sp- heading into the playoffs because the fact, oh look at us, nobody expects us to be here. Everybody, everybody's picking the Nets. Everybody's picking Boston. You know, ride Milwaukee because they're defending chance. Look at us, brother, Miami Heat. Somehow, so, you know, in the NBA. Play- Playoffs yet again. You know, we're two seasons removed from the East from being the Eastern Conference champions playing and playing in the NBA finals. Nobody expects us to do anything. And I could see Miami Heat. I could see the Miami Heat with uh, with Butler, Tally Hero, who's come into his own. I could see them making a very impressive deep postseason run and possibly playing in a and a uh, Eastern Conference if not, NBA Finals again their first game is on Sunday afternoon on TNT. Brooklyn and Boston has like I said the one of the three matchups I gave you guys that has potential to be one of the series of the playoffs between Brooklyn and Boston. Albeit you know it's two seed versus seven seed, but you, these seeds might, they might as well be uh, seed one and seed seed one A and C one and seed number one. Because I mean, they are just—they uh, are. You—if you said—if you—if said, you, if you told me right now that the winner of this series would win the would win the East and probably win the NBA championship, I, I I wouldn't argue. I wouldn't say boo. The only thing that makes me nervous is about the fact is that the Nets are one of are are so piss poor defensively. You know, again, they got away with it against the Cavaliers, but they want any chance. Of making a deep shot run, you gotta play defense because of because of the because Kyrie and Kevin Durant could put up their numbers and 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 they're one of the best, if not the best, one-two punch in the NBA when healthy when they're both on the floor at the same time. But if they can't play defense, get some stops, you know, to either preserve a lead or to keep the game close, they you know they're not gonna get nobody in the nobody is gonna get swept. But Brooklyn could find themselves, you know, want one and done here if they don't find a way to buckle down and play defense. Because the way Boston has played, had the way Boston has played this season has just been absolutely sensational. We talk about how great and how fantastic, uh, how fantastic, um, uh, what's his name. Uh, Jason Tatum is sorry, I had a brain fart there. Uh, how sensational Jason Tatum is! He he on the season, sensational job. He's average. He's averaged a uh, twenty nine, twenty nine and a half, three and uh, a half points uh, against uh, against Brooklyn this season. Shooting on average forty eight percent from the field and nearly forty percent. From the from the uh, from the free throw line, uh, shooting eighty percent from or excuse me from field goal range, shooting eighty percent from the free throw line, averaging six rebounds and three and a half assists here on the season. And to close out the season, he had a nice little streak going where he scored uh, where he had four games of thirty or more points at the back end of the month of March. And if you recall, he had a very impressive streak. Where he went one, two, three, four, five consecutive games of 30 or more points, including a 54, uh, a 54 point performance against at home against Brooklyn on Sunday on Sunday March the sixth in a 126-120 victory uh, against the Nets, in which he had five rebounds, three assists. Shot 82 percent from the field, 14 to 17 from the free throw line, and was a and was a uh, productive 53 percent from beyond the arc. So, if the Brooklyn Nets want to have any shot of beating Boston in this series, they got to be able to play defense and put the clamps on and stop Jason Tatum. Because I don't care how well Kyrie and I believe if I were, and I think uh, Kyrie Irving had a had a. Uh, that uh, Kyrie Irving had a night. I'll go back and look at it here while I'm talking. But I believe Kyrie Irving had a it was uh, had an impressive performance that same afternoon, and and the Nets still lost the game. One uh, Kyrie it was Durant who dropped 37 points and uh, who dropped 37 points, four of nine from three, 12 to 21, eight assists, six rebounds, two blocks, and a steal but if they want any chance of winning the series they got to put the clamps down on jason tatum they let him take over these games and drop 45 52 37 points on an on a game in game out basis the nets have no shot because i don't care how much you score. i don't care how much how many points you score There's a reason why defense wins championships still holds true, whether in football or it's in basketball. I understand the days in basketball of the 87-84 playoff game are are, are are a... Item of the past, albeit the Nets, and, albeit the Nets and the Bucks played a playoff game, I believe, in which the winning team scored scored around in the mid 80s. But anyway, that's not a end nor there. You got to be able to, you got to be able to make the key defensive plays and and, and and lock teams down and grab the defensive rebounds, get the steals. Get after the loose balls, force turnovers in order for you to win games. And allowing and allowing Boston to drop over 120 points, you know, on a, in in a playoff in a best of seven playoff series is not a recipe to. Uh, it's not a recipe for for winning anything in the playoffs. If if the if they allow the Celtics to will to to, to willfully on average score 115 plus points every single night, I don't think the Nets have a chance now so they got to play, they gotta be able to they got to be able to they got to be able to play defense uh and if they if they want a shot they're one of the worst defensive teams uh in the nBA a credit to the genius of uh of uh, of steve nash and also but if they're able to play defense they should they should be all right they they play solid competent defense they should be okay if not it could be a long it could be a long series literally and figuratively for the uh for for the Brooklyn Nets and the, and, the, and, the, and the and the and the Boston Celtics head coach has done an absolutely uh has that has done an absolutely sensational job sensational Doka sensational job they were one of the best records in the NBA uh after uh, after the first of the of the calendar year back in January that i think my friend has the potential to be possibly the best playoff series uh, of these 2022 NBA playoffs as far as as far as I'm concerned Chicago and Milwaukee I expect it to to go no further than a fifth game Chicago one of the worst teams out of the out of all the teams that made the playoffs, they won. They got one of the worst records against 500 or better playoff caliber teams in the NBA. Walkies, a defending champ. Chicago's had a nice season, but I'll be. Uh, I think it's going to be good morning, good afternoon, good night for the Chicago Bulls in that series. And I think the same thing for the uh, New Orleans Pelicans going up against the Phoenix Suns. Game one of that series is on Sunday night in the Valley in the uh, good old city of. Phoenix. So, that is where we begin as far as the NBA play- as far as the NBA playoffs are concerned, uh as far as the, as far as the NBA playoffs are concerned, you want a fi- you want a conference finals prediction. I will give you a conference finals prediction. I believe that the that the 2022 NBA Eastern Conference Finals will be between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. And I believe that the 2022 Western Conference Finals would be between the Phoenix Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies. Your NBA Finals, Celtics, Suns. Phoenix Suns in seven games. Take a break, we shall continue. The I'm Tele TIS podcast. Mr. Worldwide to infinity, <laughs> you know the roof on fire. We go boogie, hoogie, hoogie, jiggle wiggle and dance. <laughs> like the roof on fire. We go drink drinks and take shots until we fall out. Like the roof on fire. Now baby, give a booty naked, take off all your clothes and light like, the roof on fire. Tell him, tell him, baby, baby. Welcome back to the um, T.I. Like is Pod. Sorry, Jesus. The um, T.I. Like is Podcast. Switching gears now from the Hardwood to the Diamond. And that is the first week of the 2022 MLB regular season is in the books. Just to give you a couple of tidbits here as we uh, put to bed the first week of the new season. I tell you, the Toronto Blue Jays. There's a reason why I picked them to win the division, and uh, and a very good season. They're five and three. uh, They're five and three currently, first place in the American League East. Uh, They're three and one at home at Rogers Center. They had a sensational comeback. Last week in their opening series up at the Rogers Center, their their first opening series in the Rogers Center for about three years. And Vladdy Guerrero Jr. earlier this week had a three-homer night up at the Bronx. The, the Toronto Blue Jays they again you might not need sensational starting pitching their lineup is so freaking talented they'll hit their way to an easy 93 95 hell probably 96 97 wins this season their lineup is just that damn good albeit the fact that they have a negative that they have a minus 2 uh, run differential, and they're currently sitting in first place ahead of the New York Yankees by a game. Speaking of the New York Yankees, I mean, they want to talk about an interesting and just—if you're not a Yankee fan, I mean, watching the Yankees is is something is a unique and a special experience. If you're not a Yankee fan, because you know, some days, some days they're like, oh, okay, they might actually be better than I than I anticipated, and then other nights. It's like it's it's same crap different it's same crap different year when it comes to the Yankees and their ineptitude. I mean they had a nice they had a nice gutsy opening day win against the Red Sox six five, uh six five uh last Friday afternoon. They uh they had a nice starting pitching performance from uh from from lootlet from how do you pronounce how do you pronounce his name? He had a nice performance from Severino, who who uh, who gave up two runs, who had, gave up two runs. Five, it got knocked around a little bit, but a fantastic job by the bull, by their bullpen: Marciano, Castro, Lutledge. How do you pronounce his name? Chad Green, <clears throat> Holmes, and of course Chapman in the ninth. Sensational job by the Yankee bullpen to beat the Red Sox four-two on uh, on Sat on Saturday last Saturday afternoon. Then Sunday they get out to they 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 found a way to tie the game at three apiece at the bottom of the fourth inning against against the Red sox uh and then of course they and then of course in the in the uh in the top of the sixth inning. Uh, they allow a home run. Uh, Clark uh, Schmidt allows a, a a solo go-ahead home run. to Bobby Dalback to put the Red Sox on top uh, by the final score four three, and uh, or excuse me by the score four three. And the and the Yankees failed. You know, good a- good morning, good afternoon, good night. Uh, when the Yankees have runs in scoring position late in the game, and uh, Deekman the closer comes in and just slams the door shut in the Yankees' faces. Uh, avoiding a sweep, then they go ahead and lose to the lose to the Blue Jays back to back on the on April the 11th, they win a game against Toronto, so they split the Blue Jays. It was win it was loss, win loss, win won the final game of that series by the final score of three to nothing in a pitcher's duel, and then Friday night against my beloved Baltimore Orioles, stay pitched well, they did a sensational job. Uh, starting pitching, uh, Jordan Montgomery, five innings of three-hit shutout of three-hit shutout baseball, two walks, only struck out two batters, uh, and then Peralta come and then Peralta comes in in the sixth, and in, in the excuse me, in the what sixth? I mean, I watched the game. I should know this off the top of my head, but in the sixth inning, yes, in the bottom of the sixth inning, he come he comes in. Brian uh, Mountcastle flies out for flies out for one out. Trey Mancini, uh, Trey Mancini uh, comes in for the, or excuse me, it wasn't the sixth, it was the seventh inning. Uh, gets gets Man- Mountcastle Mancini Santander out one two three. Then the bottom of the seventh inning comes around. And Peralta stays on first batter of the inning. Austin Hayes doubles down the right field line to put a run on second base. Uh, to put a runner on second base, bottom of the seventh inning. And then, and and listen, the Orioles do not need, the Orioles, from an Oriole perspective, as an Orioles fan, I get to their side of things in a minute. They have been anemic, anemic, embarrassing, pathetic, disgraceful. As far as hitting and getting base hits and driving in runners when they have opportunities with runners in scoring with runners in scoring position, one of, not thank God somehow somehow some way, not the worst in the sport, but one of the worst in the sport as far as hitting in run, with runners in scoring position in the first week in the first week and a couple of days into the new season, they stink. Are pathetic, pathetic. Hitting with the arms in scoring position, but what does the Yankees do? The Yankees Peralta pass ball by Kyle Higashioka. I thought uh, they shipped Gary Sanchez up uh, up north to the Minnesota Twins. It looked like Gary Sanchez w- was sitting behind the behind the plate, hiding in Kyle Higashioka's uh, catcher's gear and uniform. Pass ball to move Austin Hayes 90 feet away, and finally, for about the third time all season long. Uh, and and only the second time by someone, but not by the name of Cedric Mullins. Jorge Mateo li- hits a rips a liner into the left field. It gets a one out sing, uh, excuse me, uh, g- singles the ball with nobody out. Drives Hazen and stupidly decides to something to, on a hard hit ball to stretch it out into a double. Got caught with his pants around his ankles to get the to get the first out of the inning to tie the game at one apiece. Then we fast forward to the bottom of then we fast forward to the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, to we fast forward to the uh, excuse me we fast forward to the bottom of the eleventh inning after no scratch that let's let's pa- pause pause the tape here let's go to the top of the ninth inning where you had good morning good afternoon good night Lamet Hugh Torres and Aaron Hicks uh, good morning good afternoon good night in the top of the in the top of the ninth inning for New York then in the top of the Tenth inning after a couple of defensive substitutions, Hicks is the automatic runner. Is the automatic runner on second base? Judge grounds out, foul number. Judge, who did not start in the game, uh, who not who did not start from New York on Friday night, grounds into uh, the glove of Kelvin Gutierrez foul number one. Maring Gonzalez goes down on strikes, foul number, foul number two. Anthony Rizzo strike out number two of the, and number two of the inning, out number three in the top of the, in the top of the 10th. Orioles can't do a damn thing, uh, can't do a damn thing in the bottom of the 10th inning. Uh, uh, Ramon Urias, automatic runner on second base. Mount Castle grounds, Mount Castle Mancini ground, excuse me, ground out. And then, of course, in the bottom of the 10th right after that. Uh, Austin Hayes ground, uh, excuse me, intentionally walked Anthony Santander to get to Austin Hayes who grounds out 1-2-3 in the bottom of the 10th minus the intentional walk. Then in the top of the 11th is when things get interesting. Anthony Rizzo automatic runner on second base. Somehow sway either must have had a brain fart, got a wrong sign, or somehow Sway forgot the rules of the sport. A ball hit directly in front of him. I mean, they teach this stuff in Little League. The ball hit directly in front of him. To the shortstop, Jorge, Mateo, Jorge Mateo gets the ball. He gets it right in front of him. Anthony Rizzo running on a ball. One of the things. And now, listen, I'm no major leaguer. I'm not making millions. I'm not making you know millions of dollars a year to play for the New York <clears throat> Yankees. I am not a D1A uh, ba- uh, NCAA baseball player. by any stretch in imagination, but at least I know. In my days of playing little league, high school baseball, and watching baseball since the age of three. I know that the golden rule of thumb is that outside of when you're at first base, you do not run on a ground ball hit in front of you, hit in front of you unless there's two outs. You don't. You do not do it under any circumstances you don't do it if the ball is hit to a third baseman and the, and it's and there's less than if the ball sits to the third baseman and there's less than 2 outs you're running on third base you do not move if you're if you're running on second base and the ball is hit to not the right side but the left side of the second base bag towards the shortstop of the third baseman and there's nobody on first base, you do not move. Obviously, either Anthony Rizzo was never taught that or he forgot that because when the ball was hit, Giancarlo Stanton to the the left side of the second base bag, to Jorge Mattel, the ball hits Anthony Rizzo in route two on his way to third base to give the Orioles the gift and it was a gift a gift from the baseball gods on this holy weekend that is easter that is easter slash good friday slash passover a gift of all time anthony rizzo gets hit on the ground gets hit on the ground ball by rule, automatically out, Jean-Carl Stanton, safe at first base, set up the double play, takes the runner out of scoring position for the New York Yankees, puts a runner on first base for the Orioles so that a ground ball gets him out of the inning with a, with a, with a good old-fashioned double play to get the second and third out of the inning. Josh Donald said for some inexplicable reason, why in the world... Why in the world? Now he wasn't batting. He won batting leadoff in the game on Friday night, but on Thursday night against against the Toronto Blue Jays, I tweeted myself. I said, "What in the world is Josh Donaldson doing in his in his mid thirties with calf and hamstring injuries galore throughout his career? What in God's name is Josh Donaldson doing hitting leadoff?" But anyway, that's not a hit nor a dig. You know, off the beaten path, he strikes out swinging to give out out number two. And lo and behold, Mister Mister, I'll be damned if I hit against the shift. Lay a bunt down to get on base and to move the defense a little bit. Joseph Gallo, who was good for nothing, nothing cannot hit his way. And I could kill us how far he he hits the baseball when he makes contact. Who does nothing but strike out and head into the dopey shift because he's that freaking lazy and hard headed that he that he that you know that... Good hitting, be damned. I'm gonna do whatever the hell I want to do. Grounds out to grounds out or on a on a pitch hit right in front, hit in front of the legs of of catcher Anthony ben Boone for out number three. Then the 11th is when it gets interesting. Jorge Mateo lines out the Maringuez for out number one. Ben Boom, phenomenal at bat draws a walk, so you got a runner on, and this is with Austin Hayes, the automatic runner on second base. You got runners on first and second. The 11th one out. Kevin Kelvin Gutierrez, excuse me, walks the load. The ba- the load the bases. Uh, Boone goes for Roldis. Chap go- takes uh, Clark Schmidt out of the game. Brings in Chapman, who was absolutely abysmal. Uh, on Thursday night, the game before against the Blue Jays, where he walked the bases loaded and he got away with it. and The Yankees held on to win the game three nothing. Walks the brings in Chapman, brings in Chapman, strikes out Cedric, strikes out Cedric Mullins, and and walks Ramon Urias after being up in the count o two. And Tom Halley in strike zone was a complete embarrassment, was another disgrace. I mean, Lord Jesus, I cannot wait t- for the automatic electric strike zone. I mean, can, can we get it tomorrow, please? But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Walks him on the race after being up 0-2 oh, in the count, brings in home Austin Hayes. Orioles win a game by the final score of 2-1. to one. I mean, if you're the New York Yan- I mean, George Steinbrenner, God rest his soul, must have been spitting in his grave watching that game uh, watching that game on Friday night. Spitting in his grave. If you're the New York Yankees that have all the resources and the money at your disposal... I mean, the Orioles de- practically didn't spend a dime in free agency... This off this extended off season, They're, the Orioles' goal is trying to is trying to go another season without having to lose hundred games again. Hell, if they go seventy-two and ninety, they'll throw a parade down Camden Street, quote unquote, rebuilding for the future, all that nonsense. I understand it's only one game. And the and the Yankees could, could after after Friday night could do nothing but kick the Orioles tail and go eighteen and one to close out the season series against Baltimore the rest of the season. So I understand all that, and I understand it's April; it's still early. But if you're the Yankees, I mean, it's more, they they it's bad enough they had, they went eleven and eight against a team that lost over a hundred games, one of the worst teams in the sport, and they and they struggled to beat the Orioles last year. This year, this year, I again I understand it's only one game. But, but for the overreaction opinion, it's more of the same. Here it is: the Orioles can't hit the way out of a paper bag, especially with the scoring position. And what the Yankees do is like Yankees, are like okay, well, if you can't hit your way out of a paper bag in order for you to score runs and win games, here's what we'll do: we'll walk the ballpark instead. We'll walk the ballpark. The Yankee bullpen combined walked eight batters Jordan Montgomery who went five innings only walked two the Yankee bullpen walked eight Orioles eight they walked the Yankee bullpen walked more batters than they gave up hits they as it they as a bullpen on Friday night only gave up only gave up three hits and they walked eight batters I understand they didn't let the oil offense go crazy, but the oil offense has been in the, has been in the toilet for the first what seven games or so of the new season. They walked the ballpark, and one of the rare times the Orioles have been able to get that timely hit to tie the game with Earnest in scoring position, it came off of the, it came out of, out of the Yankee bullpen. I can count on one hand how many Orioles outside of outside of uh, outside of the name of Cedric Mullins has gotten a timely base hit with runners in scoring position this season. It's a very 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 small sample size, a very small list. That list grew, adding the name of Jorge Mateo on uh, on Friday night. We're pathetic. Walked the ballpark, walked it. Orioles figure, hey. If we if we can't if we can't hit our way to score runs, we'll just do it the old fat. we'll just do it the old fashioned way and just pray that that you ch- that you try to get too cute and try to get us to nibble. We'll just stand up there with a bat in our hands, we'll just walk. We'll just walk. We'll we'll walk on, on top of the added ghost run on second base. We'll just walk our way to win games. As hey, as long as we pitch well, we don't give up any base hits. We get the we get the timely strikeouts. We get the we get the timely double play balls and timely ground balls. Get ourselves out of champs. As long as our bullpen holds up, we'll just walk. If if we gotta win games by the final score of one nothing, two one, uh uh two one two nothing, so be it. We'll get our base sets to build our rallies, and if we and if we can, and if we can't, you know, get runners in. By hitting by hitting the baseball, we'll just put his rest bat on our shoulders, have quality at bats, work the count, work the pitch count, and walk. And the Yankees gave him a victory on a silver platter. Gave him one. Again, the Yankees were fortunate as all hell to get out of the mess with Chapman third night against against Toronto. Gets Mullins and then and then vomits on himself. To Ramon Urias. Vomits on himself. That game on Friday night is why you gotta love sports. You gotta love sports. And if you're a Yankee fan, you gotta hate sports. Orioles improved to a 502 and 2 at home on the young season sitting in last place 2 and 5 again chronically the, the worst team uh, one of the worst teams in the sport as far as hitting with runners and as far as hitting with runners in scoring position the worst in the sport the worst the worst and it was like, alright, fine. If we can't hit, we'll do the next best thing. We'll walk. A walk is a... Oh, they figure, hell, a walk is as is as good as a hit. They're last in the league in RBIs. And they are 27th in the sport and 14th in the American League in batting average, 196. Think about that for a minute. Think about that for a minute. Yet they're fifteenth in the league and on base percentage. Which is crazy. Crazy. And the and I understand small sample size, but as of now, one of the best bullpen's in the American League. And ninth best bullpen in baseball as or ninth best pitching staff, ninth best ERA excuse me, I should say, in the sport at three point one nine. Ninth best in baseball and sixth best in the American League. So we figure the one thing that's gonna be the reason why the Orioles gonna be worse than the sport is their pitching, yet their pitching isn't the reason why they're two and five. Because of the fact that it can't hit. Gotta love baseball, man. Gotta love baseball. Shohei vomited on himself earlier this week. Shout out to Mike and the O. C. as the Angels are four and four. Uh with a n with a minus seven run differential, by the way. Uh you know, and the in the that division is so again only first week it's gonna take some time for the teams to sort of separate themselves, but Houston, only in first place by a half a game with a 4-3 and three record. Mets, 6-3, and three doing, Buck Show doing a sensational job. They got a plus-21 run differential in the, in the NL East. Atlanta And the Mets, by the way, are the only team in the NL East with a record above 500 as the Atlanta Braves are currently sitting at 4-5. and five. And with the Philadelphia Phillies, you know, the more th- again, still early, but the more things change, the more things stay the same. Sitting at three and five, loses a four in a row, negative eight run differential. Cardinals four and two, Cubs four and three, Brewers four and four. Nationally West Rockies, shockingly. Are tied. It's not going to last forever. I understand that with the Dodgers and the Giants, five and two, first place in NL West. And uh, you know, it's, it's been. You know, I I thought and I said to myself, I thought that I was going to be like, oh, you know, you know, well, I'll be into it. I'll pick and choose my spots. I probably won't be as into it because it's still annoyed the lockout. But shockingly, you know, so far, I've been into it with the you know with the but the outside with the at least with the Orioles outside of their game on Sunday where they you know ate nothing which was just a stinker they've been in every game they've played seven games they've been and had a chance to either tie or win them in six out of the seven games they had a chance to beat the Brewers on Wednesday night. They had a chance to beat the Brewers on Tuesday night. They beat the Brewers for the first win of the season on Monday. They had a chance to beat the Rays on Opening Day, losing two-one. They had an opportunity to beat the Rays five-to-three on Saturday, last Saturday. They played seven games. They've been in six of them. You'd like, and trust me, I would. I, you know, I, I'd rather have them be. Three and four, then two and five, or four or four and three instead of two and five, or five and two instead of two and five. But again, with the Ray game, with the Rays game on April the tenth, the only outlier they've been in the majority of the games that they've played, haven't been able to hit a lick. But they've been, but they've been in these games. Solid pitching, solid starting pitching, good bullpen. In the, the back end, at the back end of the games, is just can they get the timely hitting and can they drive runners in in scoring position. I understand this team ain't going anywhere. I understand no playoffs. I understand this, that, but I just want to be able. I want to be able to see this team stack some wins. This team's goal is is to avoid a hundred losses. Avoid a hundred losses and win seventy games. with a little bit of grit and a little bit of good managing by Brandon Hyde they could i not saying that they will but they could find themselves to winning at least 70 games this year if they put their freaking mind to it and I'd like for them to, and, and I'd like for them to, 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 to win 70 games and avoid 100 losses But it's best to start. It's best to start stacking your wins, you know, while teams are still trying to find themselves, rather than later in the season. And you know what you are, you know, you you know what you are. And the Toronto Blue Jays, for an example, know what they are. Everybody's still trying to find themselves their first week plus of the, of the new season. Where, where it's like, where it's like in football, where you know, it, where you know, any given Sunday, any given game, you know, you can lose. You know, the Orioles could, you know, the Orioles who don't play Tampa again until, um, why well, was actually they actually do they actually when's the next time the Orioles play Tampa? They don't play that. Wow! wow. They don't play Tampa, so that's a bad example. So they could go into they 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 could go into St. Louis and sweep them, or not St. Louis, but they could go into they could go into Boston the back end of the month of May, and nobody be like, all right, well, teams still trying to find themselves, you know, for you know the Colorado Rockies in first place. Tied with the Dodgers of all teams. Wanna take advantage of, of that of that area of the schedule, that area of the season where teams, all thirty of them, are trying to find themselves. Are trying to find and see, you know, where they're gonna be at once the season flows and moves along. But it gotta be able to hit with Ernest's core position. Because they are not bad at it. They are historically painfully inept. Getting base hits with runs to scoring position. There's there's a period during during their homestand where Cedric Mullins was accountable for all of the for all of their runs scored in a, in in, in the, throughout this homestand. The grand slam the other night and then the two runs that he had in their uh, home opener on Monday. But I've been into it shockingly. I've been into it. First baseball season, something to watch, something to look forward to. At, you know, every night they've been again out of out of the seven games that they've played, they've been competitive, they've been competitive, and they've been watchable in six of them. I've been into it, and for whatever the reason, they always get up and and put forth their best ever whenever they play the Yankees. They all, for whatever the reason, they they always get up and and put forth a. a, a a a a a prideful, competitive, watchable performance whenever they play the Yankees. They do. They do. You know the Apple TV. I mean, I don't even know where to begin with that. I mean, the the, the broad the broadcast the, the the broadcasting crews are. Damn near impossible to listen to, to put it nicely. Uh, it, not to mention with the streaming, when the streaming goes out, and you know, and I tweeted up a storm last Friday night, the first night that they did it, that I had problems getting the game on my iPad and on my, phone. so you know, the Apple TV has not exactly been worth baseballs, uh, has been uh, worth baseballs money and aggravation. Uh, I heard, you know, I didn't watch any of it because I was busy watching play playing with the NBA and the Oriole game was over four hours long, but, you know, I didn't hear, hear rave reviews from them on Friday night. Last night, you know, what are you going to do? Baseball doesn't know which way is up. Uh, what else is new with that and Apple TV? And, oh, by the way, you know, shame on the uh, the, the, the president for the Cincinnati Reds. You know, basically telling, basically giving the double bird to the Reds fan base, saying, "Well, if you don't like it, you know, we'll sell the team and uh, and pro- and most likely the team that will buy it right after us will move it." I mean, go to hell, will you please? Suck on, suck on a, suck on a rotten old sock, will you? Okay, go to hell. How about you put money forth and build and build a champion and build a winner? How about that one? Fans pay good money, whether it's the cable bill or the actual ticket and the parking, and to go watch the team. Okay? They were Cincinnati Reds fans long before long before you and your little dopey family had control and had ownership of the team. And they'll, and as long as they're still sit on the sit on the Ohio River at Great American Ballpark, they'll be Reds fans long after you you and your father are gone. Castellini, whatever his name is, go to hell. Son and your father, the both of you. Go to hell, okay the fans want to kick and scream because you literally sold off every single uh competitive watchable uh, player on your roster and they haven't been competitive in eons they just they deserve to have the right to say something. They're fans all right your responsibility is, is is giving them a watchable, marketable, competent, entertaining winning product. Their job is to critique you when you're not doing that. If you don't like it, get the hell out of the business. Simple. Shame on you. Well, be careful what you wish for, and be careful because you know they could be gone in a minute. So just be quiet. Just enjoy what you have. Shut the hell up and go to hell. How dare you? The temerity, the audacity. The 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 hutzpa and the unmitigated gall. The nerve, the balls on that man. Pathetic. But not a bad opening week of the baseball season. We'll delve into it in greater details as the season moves along. But you know, through the first week, you can't go kicking the screaming about uh, about a, about a, you know too much. But we take a break. We'll close the show. I'm talking to podcast. We welcome you back to the I'm talking podcast just two quick items of business before we say goodnight. Uh Scotty Scheffler won the Masters uh the 2022 Masters down to Augusta, Georgia with a sensational uh with a sensational fourth round uh with a sensational uh fourth round. He double bogeyed 18th to uh, to clinch his championship. He only bogeyed on that Sunday on the back line a hole number 10. Other than that, uh, he had a birdie on hole 3, 7, 14, and 15. Part all the other holes. But he finished the finished the, uh, finished the the tournament with a minus 10 under par. Ran away with it. He won- ran away with it to the point wasn't even close. Or it took away that, you know, you have a drama list. Less a drama, less Sunday at the Masters. You know, it really hurts the uh, the uh, the uh, the the event and the pomp and circumstance that comes with that great tournament. Beat Roy McRoy who came in second place with a minus seven. Cam Smith who had the lead at, at the first couple of days of the tournament finished tied for third place with a minus five. Uh, Tiger Woods who had a Tiger Woods who was a uh, who uh was you know, all eyes were on him uh who had a very very impressive uh first day of the tournament where he birdied holes 6 13 and 16 bogeyed holes 8 and 14 and played at a at an even par with a 70 played at an even par uh you know for the rest of his holes finished with a minus one a shot of 71 on Thursday in round one, everybody's like, "Oh, okay. Oh, here we go. Tiger is gonna pull a, uh, is gonna do the unthinkable." All of a sudden, winning, and then in the week, and then on Friday, he, Friday he struggled. Uh, four, excuse me, yeah, four out of his first five holes, he bogeyed outside of his par on the par five at uh, at hole number two. Pard hole six and seven, birdied on hole number eight. pard uh, on hole number nine. Birdied again on number 10. We thought, oh, okay, Tiger's starting to uh, get himself back into things, and he falls off the cliff, bogeying on 11 and 12. Birdies on 13 and 14, uh, and then, and then pars the rest away finishing out of 74. Not terrible, but you figure, you know, at least I was, saying, all right, well, if Tiger wants any chance to win it, he's got to have to have the round of his wife on Saturday afternoon, and then he, and then that's when the wheels completely fell off. Double bogeyed on holes uh, on on holes five and eighteen. Bogeyed back to back holes. He finished with uh, he finished holes sixteen through eighteen. His last three holes on on that Saturday on the back nine, three straight bogeys in a row. The First two sixteen seventeen were regular bogeys. Eighteenth were the had a double bogey. Bogeyed on hole number eleven. Bogeyed his opening hole on one and bogeyed on his ninth hole. Birdied on holes two, twelve, and thirteen. Shot a seventy-eight, and then on and then on the fourth one, uh, and then on the fourth one he shot a seventy-eight as well, finishing with a plus thirteen. Listen, you know, you I and I don't know and who didn't want Tiger Woods to go the distance and to pull off the unthinkable, you know, with with his leg, you know, fused together with a, with rods and uh, with rods and bolts. Who didn't want that all time classic storybook uh, you know, finished the way he had it a couple years ago at Augusta, winning the Masters coming off of a coming off of a broken leg, you know, with that accent about eighteen months or so prior. Uh but you know, you, but you felt like, you know, the worst Tiger played and the more and more reality started to set in on stop on over the storybook uh Disney fied uh result that everybody and their mother wanted you figure that it was more about tiger just going out there and competing and playing a full four rounds of uh of competitive uh major golf rather than him, you know, trying to compete and and win a, and win another major championship again considering all he's been through in the last year plus And I had a feeling, you know, when you heard Tiger Woods speak to me, it wasn't, you know, know, I was pissed that, you know, my putting was terrible, that I was bogeying these holes, that I wasn't consistent enough as much as I should be, that I had bad tee shots And then, You got a feeling from Tiger, especially on Saturday and Sunday, there was more about him getting through the weekend and having something to prove, not to the masses, but to himself. He had a feeling that he was out there that he was out there competing, you know, at Augusta at that tournament. Not necessarily for him to win, but he wanted to prove something. He wanted it, he wanted it to be a teachable lesson for the masses and he wanted to prove something to himself. That listen, I'm 45, 46 years of age, broken leg, and I'm out here playing, playing at one of the most prestigious golfing events, in the w- golfing major championships in the world at Augusta National. I, sh- I, I shot a had a very good opening round the first day of the tournament. I'm going to go out there now. I am, and I'm going to make the cut, and I'm going to play all four days without without having to stop or withdraw due to injury. I'll play all four days if I not use a card, I'm gonna walk and I'm going to get the job done. I'm gonna walk out there all 4 days, Thursday through Sunday, and I'll make sure I play every single hole and give it all that I had. In pain or indifferent. And he got a feeling from that he was out there, you know, to prove it to himself that I that I still got that competitive tiger no pun intended, that competitive spirit within him. That I don't care what you say, I don't care what I gotta do, I'm gonna finish this race. And he gave the quote with his father, you know, talking about finish the race and don't quit There's a You gotta feel from Tiger it was more about him getting through the masters than him winning it. And that's the impression I got. It was the, more about him getting through it. The fact that he the fact that he made the cut and the fact that he had a very impressive first day what was just an added victory is just a cherry on top. But it was more about him getting through that Saturday and Sunday those Saturday and Sunday rounds coming off of the uh, the leg and that coming off that horrific car accident that nearly costing him his life nearly costed him his leg at minimum in his life worst case scenario. But congratulations to Scotty Sheffield, who was just clicking on all cylinders throughout the entire tournament. We give the Masters a a couple of minutes of our attention. That's item number one. Item number two, sorry about that, dropping the phone here. Uh, Item number two, Frank Vogel, shockingly, uh, was axed for the Lakers, you know, uh, making him. Now, he deserves part of the blame because because the Lakers did quit on him. And they were not a absolutely, they were, you know, not exactly a, uh, a, 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 put, they did not, the Lakers, for that matter, put on a defensive clinic. But, and Frank Vogel does share some blame, but he wasn't the sole main primary reason why the Lakers ended up missing the playoffs and having an embarrassing season that they did. It was part of the problem, but he wasn't the primary reason, primary reason. But the Lakers say goodnight to him. Uh, unceremoniously, uh, unshockingly, uh, to the public, as Lakers are in uh, are in pursuit of a new head coach, which leads to us to our Q and to our uh, Q and A uh, question of the episode, and that is who should become the Los Angeles Lakers' new head coach and why. That question and answer little uh, I don't want to call it a tweet, but that look, but that question and answer. Uh, you know, form. I guess you could say it's available only on the Amatella K T I S podcast channel page on on the Spotify app on Spotify dot com. So you have to go to the Amatella K T I S with Jai Shields podcast channel page, click that episode. You'll be able to find it. that's the Q and A of the episode. Who should become the Lakers' new head coach and why? And the poll question of the episode is who is your favorite to win the NBA Finals? Choose your option. And uh, let the Amatel TIS podcast, you little universe, know what is on your mind. And also, don't be afraid to follow the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore TIS, to the show on Instagram at Amatel underscore Podcast, and yours truly on Twitter, and Instagram at the J Shield. So, first show back in a little bit over a week. Got some housekeeping. I you know, took care of housekeeping items as far as the NBA playing the NBA Finals is concerned. Touched on Scottie Sheffield winning the Masters, a little bit of Tiger, Frank Vogel out the door, and a little bit of baseball. Any big-time baseball news I need to address or rant about the Orioles, I'll be sure to touch on in the next episode. NBA playoffs will, will be a primary topic of conversation from now until mid-June with the NBA Finals. And of course, I uh, will promise you, I'll give you my two cents on Kyler Murray and Bacon Mayfield coming up on next week's episode. So, for yours truly, Jai Shields, this has been another episode of the Tell Ketelius Podcast In the books. Happy Easter and happy Passover to my Jewish listeners and fans out there. I will talk to you guys next week. Y'all stay safe. Y'all take care. See ya.